Welcome to the Business End of the Leash, the podcast where I get real about how dog trainers, just like you, can level up your business in a way that's sustainable, scalable, and stops your business running you. I'm your host, Erin Moore, and I'm a dog business strategist who helps dog trainers niche down and level up their services, client results, income, and free time. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Business End of the Leash podcast, where we're going to talk about pricing and rates. Now, this is one that people have big feelings about, uh, and it's really, really important to be talking about. And I want to start off by saying that what I have found, and there's no judgment in this because I used to do this all the fucking time too, is that dog trainers chronically undercharge. Now, there's always reasons for that. Some of the more common reasons are, you know, self-esteem and self-worth issues and tying in our self-esteem and self-worth to what we offer when they're not the same. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a little bit. There's some fear stuff around raising rates. We don't want to lose clients or we don't want to potentially price ourselves out of the market if we charge too much. We want to be able to help everybody, not just people with money. And this one, like, I agree with this. And I'm going to talk about later how if you really want to be able to help everybody and not just people with money, then you need to be charging more. Okay. It's not the opposite, which may sound a little counterintuitive and counterproductive, but I'm going to tell you about it. Some dog trainers undercharge because they don't really need the money. Maybe they have, they're living off of savings or they have a partner who, you know, provides the bulk of the financial input to the household. One of the big reasons that we don't like charging more and raising our rates is we don't know how to talk about money. We don't know how to have money conversations with other people. Now, this chronic undercharging has such a shitty effect on our business, our mindset, and the industry as a whole. So undercharging actually contributes to more quote-unquote non-compliant clients. And if you've heard me speak before, you'll know that I'm saying quote-unquote because I don't believe that non-compliant clients are a thing. Same as with dogs. There's no badly behaving dog. There's an environment that's working or not working and a lot of other factors that come into it. But undercharging contributes to having non-compliant clients because people, generally speaking, will invest their time and invest their mental, emotional space in something they've invested money in. When they are coming home from a long day or they're super stressed out or they're tired and they have to make the decision between, okay, cool, I want to, I, I've got to do my homework for my dog training, or I can sit and binge watch Netflix and I'm fucking exhausted and I'm worn out and I'm overwhelmed. <sighs> okay, I only paid 30 bucks for this session. So, okay, cool. I'm just going to watch Netflix. Versus if someone has invested more money in a session, they are more likely to show up and do that work because they want to get the value for their money, right? So, Generally speaking, when people pay more for a thing, they're more invested in doing the thing. Now, I'm going to get into this in a little bit. So that's generally speaking. Undercharging, chronically undercharging, tanks the value of the industry in clients' eyes. I hear this all the time with trainers lamenting the fact that people will spend $4,000 on a puppy, but they won't spend $150 on a training session. Here's the reason why. Because $4,000 on a puppy has been normalized. That is what people think it costs or should cost. That is around the figure, and I'm pulling that figure out of my, my thumb here, but that is around the figure that they see when they go out and look for a puppy from the place that they are buying a puppy from. Now, obviously that changes if you're getting you know, a puppy from rescue or you know, different breeders 
let's not even get into like the backyard breeding and things. But generally speaking, if someone is looking for a puppy from a breeder, there's going to be a set range that is just normalized. And yet when they come to doing dog training, that range is so wide and can go anywhere from $25 an hour up to three, $400 an hour. And so the undercharging piece has people looking at the higher amount and you get your, your tire kickers and your bargain shoppers who are like, oh, I only want the $25. And so you end up with a bunch of people who don't see a reasonable living wage as normalized in the dog training industry. You instead have people going, but why? Why is it that much when this one is that much? And why should it? Because it hasn't been normalized that, that dog trainers also need to make a good living. That just because we operate in a career that is about caring and helping doesn't mean that we have to be giving our time for free. And we normalize that by normalizing charging more appropriate rates. Undercharging feeds imposter syndrome. Why? Because you are having to work with way more clients than is ideal. You're having to fill your roster just to meet your monthly bills, which means that you are not resting. You are not taking good care of yourself because you're running from client to client to client to client to client. You've got so many things operating on your brain. You've got so many things that you're thinking about at the same time and clients that you're trying to send out training plans to and problem solve and put out fires for, and you're emotionally, mentally, and physically burning yourself out, which means that you're not showing up as your best self for your clients, which means that you're not getting the results with the clients that you want to be getting, which means that the itty bitty shitty committee in your head is telling you how shit you are. When you charge more and you have more mental, physical, and emotional space and time, you can show up at such a higher level for your clients that you are working with. You mean just services that you're offering are better, which means that the results they are getting is better, which means that your imposter syndrome gets told to shut the fuck up. Hey, if you're enjoying the show and getting fired up about how you can implement some of these changes to level up your business, make sure to book your spot to have a chat with me about how I can help you do just that. You can book through my website at dogbizcoach.com. Okay, back to the show. One of the things I hear is, I mentioned it a little while ago, is that, you know, I don't like only people who have access to money being able to have access to dog trainers and being able to have access to help. One million percent. It shouldn't be that only people who have access to a lot of money get your help. Here's the thing, though. By trying to be more accessible to people, by dropping your rates super low, you actually make yourself less accessible to people for exactly the reason that I was just talking about. When you are running around and having to see, you know, three, four, five clients in a day or however many classes you're trying to fill and you don't have adequate time to run your business, you don't have adequate time for downtime and rest time and recoup time and recharge time for yourself, your clients don't have access to the best of you. Your clients don't even have access to you when they need help because you're so busy running to other clients or working with another client or I'll get back to you. Sorry, you know, your voicemail says, sorry, I'm not available. I'm busy working with the client. I'll get back to you whenever. And you, you, your roster is so full that it takes you longer to be able to get back to these people. So you're not making yourself more accessible to clients and offering them more support and help. You're doing the opposite. It also lowers the value of what you offer. So not only does it tank the value of the industry in client size, but it tanks the value of what you offer as well. 
me give you an example of this. If you are out shopping for a car, you need a new car, you're going to pay cash for it. You've got a budget of, let's say, $12,000 for this car. You are looking around, you find same, same, same make, same model, same year, uh, similar mileage, similar you know, wear and tear, similar uh, level of being taken care of. One of them is $2,000, one of them is $10,000. What's the first thing you think about that $2,000 one? I'm betting it's, oh, what's wrong with it? Not, ooh, bargain, right? We automatically wonder what's wrong with that, that one that it's so much cheaper. And whether it's consciously recognized or not, that happens a lot with clients too, potential clients when they are looking at rates. And do yourself a favor, go and, go and look at, I don't usually suggest people going to look at what other trainers are doing because it doesn't really help, but go and have a look at a trainer that you don't like, that you wish wasn't in business, that is like the thorn in your side and have a look at what they're charging. I'm willing to bet it's a lot more than you charge. And people, part of the reason people are going to them is because there's this connection in our brain that higher rate equals higher value, right? Now that's not necessarily true. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but that is a perception. And so if you want to really be changing the industry and really be making sure that people get access to the best information and the right information and help that's actually going to be good for them and their dog, then you need to be showing up presenting the same value so that to their perception, it makes it doesn't make sense just to go with this other trainer because they're charging more, okay? Now, I'm not talking about tire kickers. I'm not talking about people who are just searching for price. Those people are not people you should be working with, okay? And I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit. Um, so because you end up working so much, because you end up being in this place of emotional, mental, and physical burnout, you actually end up being able to help less people and less dogs. And trying to work with everybody at a super low rate contributes to burnout. It is one of the fastest ways to burnout. And we can't really have a conversation about money and rights without having a conversation about privilege. And there are so many different factors to consider about your own privilege, but also about your clients. There are socioeconomic factors to consider. There are systemic factors to consider. There are race factors to consider. There are other marginalized communities factors to consider. There's capitalism. There are all the inequalities and injustices that exist in our world that it's not a blanket or an easy conversation just about money and rates without like talking about these things too. And I thought about it when I was putting this together and having these conversations on this podcast. And, and what I decided is I want to talk to people who know more about it than I do, who have more experience with it than I do, who live or are impacted more by these things than I am. And so instead of me talking about it in this episode with you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be inviting uh, other people, some dog trainers, some um, other experts in, in different fields to come in and talk about these things. So we can have a real conversation dedicated to each of these factors um, within the umbrella of talking about rates. So I'm not going to talk about that today, but I am going to, in season two and three of my podcast, bring some people in to talk about this so that we can dig deep into it because we really need to anytime we're having conversations about money. What I do know and what I do want to talk to you guys about today is that you cannot help anyone if you aren't able to stay in business. That's the bottom line. So if you are not able to provide a financial, stable, solid foundation for your business, 
yeah, you can, you can survive for a few years, 10 years, 15 years, maybe even, but that surviving is not the same as thriving and staying in business and being able to help people. So if you are burning yourself up because you are not charging enough and you are working with the wrong kind of people and you are on that one way path to burnout, none of the dogs and people that need your help are going to have access to it. And that's why it's really important to be charging accordingly. Now, I'm not going to talk about charge what you're worth because I don't believe that our worth and our value as human beings is in any way tied to money or in any way tied to our rights. Now, it's a hard one. I used to talk about this a lot, charge what you're worth. It was a throwaway kind of comment. But when we get down to it, one of the struggles that a lot of trainers have around their rights is because they don't believe that their worth and their value equals the financial figure that they are being told to charge. So if this is a thing for you, right, if you're really struggling to raise your rates because of self-worth and um, value concerns about yourself, listening to a podcast about it is not necessarily going to be the thing that just flicks that switch for you. Maybe coaching isn't even going to be the thing that flicks that switch for you. Maybe coaching can help. But really what I suggest is if you're, if you're stuck in that place of really not being able to raise your rates, not being able to charge accordingly, then getting some help from a therapist is one of the only ways that I really know how to move through that and move to a place of being able to detach your feelings of self-worth and value to your money. The only way that I was able to do it, because I used to, like, I used to charge next to fucking nothing because I tied my worth and my value as a human being in with what I was charging for my rates for my services. And it was only through like therapy and coaching together that I was able to shift that belief and mindset piece enough to recognize that that wasn't true. Okay, when I say charging enough, what does that mean? What is enough? Because for a lot of trainers, when I ask them to do an exercise, like, okay, cool, write down all of the things that, you know, you need to be able to pay for financially in your life so that you are charging enough. A lot of trainers start, like, make a list of what they need to survive. So what do they need to have a roof over their head and gas in the car and food on the table and food in the dog's bowls? And that's it. Now, when I talk about charging enough, I'm not talking about what do you need to survive? We are not made to just be here to survive. So when you're charging enough, I'm talking about things that give you a good quality of life, no financial fear. So financial stability that you are not panicking about the money rug being pulled out from under you, that you have a solid, stable financial foundation. So what does that look like? Well, everybody has different things that they need, right? Everybody has a different level of money that they need to be making. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in terms of like, what quote unquote, should you be charging? Now, when you're charging enough, so this good quality of life, no financial fear, you're solid, you're stable. The impact of this is that you can help clients better because your headspace is better. You are rested and cared for. You are not operating from a place of physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion. You are operating from a place of clarity and, and being rested and showing up with mental focus on the client. Think about it this way. If you had to have surgery, which surgeon do you want operating on you? Is it the surgeon who has just come off a 48-hour shift with no rest and is fucking exhausted? 
Or do you want the surgeon who has just come back from two weeks vacation? I know which one I want. And your dog training clients are exactly the same. They want and deserve the absolute best of you. And the way to give them that is to make sure that you're financially okay so that you can buy yourself the time that you need to rest. You can create a mental space that isn't taken up with, oh my God, all these money worries all the fucking time. So when you're charging enough, you are helping your clients better. You're countering imposter syndrome for yourself because you're helping your clients better. You're getting better results with your clients. You are seeing better results. You are feeling better about what you're doing because you are more rested when you're showing up. You know that you're showing up at the top of your game rather than showing up meaning in coffee IV just to get you through the fucking day. You can also learn how to help more people and more dogs because you can invest in your business education to learn how to do that. Okay, go and listen to my certifications uh, episode if you haven't listened to that yet. You can invest in your business education to learn how to build a blended program which gives greater access to you to clients without it taking up more of your time. It means that you can help way more clients than you could fit in a day. It means that the level of service they're getting is so much more than you can even imagine right now. It means that they're getting about four times better results too, because it's set up in a way that works better for the human learning. And you can invest in this when you are financially okay. You also then have more time and more access to your ongoing behavior education that you want to be doing as well. You don't have to choose. It doesn't become a, well, I can invest in this or this. You can do both. You can do all the behavior nerding out that you want to do because you can Pick and choose based on what you want, not based on what's in your budget. Now, money gives you options, right? For me, it's, it's not even about the money. It's about the options that it gives you. So the kind of options that you don't have without money. So you can donate money to charities and organizations that are important to you. Because every charity, every organization that is trying to affect change needs money. So if you have that money, you can then donate to that. You can also donate time. Now, you know, people who are busy, we will always find the time to donate to things that are important to us. But we can find or create the time that doesn't mean that other areas of our life are suffering for it, that everything is balanced, that we're doing all the things that we want to do in our business, in our personal lives, and being able to give back to our communities because we're financially able to buy ourselves the time to do that. Maybe you want to start a charity or an organization or a nonprofit because there isn't one that meets the criteria that you know is important to you and you want to go out there and start that. You need a shitload of time and money to do that. It also allows you to support other small businesses, which that in itself pushes back against the giant capitalist system. If you are in a situation, and there's absolutely no judgment here, I've been there. If you are in a situation where you are needing to base your spending, where you spend money on what is the most affordable, your options are not going to be other small local businesses. Your options are going to be big conglomerates, big box stores, because they, they can have lower prices than small businesses are able to do. And so by making more money yourself, you can strategically choose which small businesses in your, your local communities you want to support. 
Do you want to shop at the, you know, the local farmer's market? Do you want to shop at the local mom and pop place? Do you want to shop where it is going to cost more? But that doesn't matter because you've got that financial, you've got those financial options to do that. And you're no longer forced to shop somewhere that you know isn't making the change in the system that you want to be a part of or is contributing to something that you don't particularly like, but you're out of options. So making sure that you are financially stable in this allows you to have an impact on our social systems and structures, which we all need to be fucking doing. So women tend to give back to our communities when we make money. When we study what women tend to do with their money, consistently speaking, women tend to give back to our communities. So I personally believe the world needs more women making money. And, and I want to be really clear here, when I'm talking about women, I'm including everybody who identifies as a woman. So let's talk about the money conversations piece, because we very often get told that or get taught and conditioned that having money conversations is crass or it's rude or it's tacky and we shouldn't do it. And don't talk about your salary and don't talk about money with people. And oh, my God, you're so uncouth. And I call fucking bullshit on that. Because money is a massive part of our system. It's a massive part of how we exist and how we live. And it's something that we need to be having conversations about it. When we aren't comfortable having money conversations with people, we aren't comfortable telling people our rates. We aren't comfortable raising our rates and then communicating that we've done that. We aren't comfortable pitching the sale when we're talking to someone or telling someone what we do. And we shoot ourselves in the foot as far as being able to build a business goes. When you can have money conversations with people, you can find out what's actually there for them. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about people who can genuinely afford you and they've got some money fear stuff and then people who genuinely can't afford you. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But when you can have money conversations with people who can genuinely afford it, but they might have some money stuff there, you can get to the real root of what's going on for them, even if that means that it ends up not being a sale for you right? Because being able to have these conversations is not about convincing people to spend the money with you. It's about helping them come to an answer one way or another if they're stuck on it, right? If they're stuck on money stuff. So when I was taught about sales and money and having money conversations and having sales conversations, I was taught what's called objection handling. So I was taught to basically, if someone comes up with a money objection, what I was taught was it's not actually about money. And to not let them leave the call about it and to push them about it until they've admitted that it's not actually about money. And I did it and it felt like fucking shit, let me tell you. And so I stopped doing it. But what I have learned since then around like ethical sales and ethical conversations is that having money conversations is not the same as objection handling. So if someone has some money worries and money fears, I want to be able to have a conversation with them about that. The, the goal of that conversation is to help that person get clarity one way or another, to help that person feel like they're making a decision that aligns with them. The goal is not, well, let me browbeat you into signing up for it, even though you're telling me you're scared about the money stuff, right? So I'm not talking about objection handling. I'm not talking about convincing people that it's not actually a money issue. I'm talking about being able to show up let your clients be grown-ass adult people who make their own decisions about money and then be able to have a conversation if it's needed, right? It's not going to be needed with everybody. If it's necessary to have a conversation with kindness 
and empathy that helps them get to a decision either way and lets them decide and lets them be empowered. So it's not about you like hurting them into a specific decision. It's about you holding space for them to have a conversation that they really can't have in a lot of places. And let's be, let's be real. People are going to have fear around spending money, especially if they've had negative experience with previous trainers or negative experience with their own money stuff or money trauma, or there's so many things that can show up for people. And when you can hold the space for them to work through that and have that conversation and get to a decision either way, that's a fucking success. So now we're kind of, we're kind of getting into sales territory here, but let's do this for a second. If a client is like, no, no, I can't afford that. Cool. We're done with the conversation. They've just been really fucking clear. But if a client is saying things like, oh, I really want to do this, but I'm worried about the money, or I really want to do this, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, or that's more than I was expecting, or that is where we have an opportunity to have a real conversation with them with no like preset goal in mind of where that's going to get to other than, oh, cool, let's see what's here and have this conversation, see how I can help this person. Okay, You never know what solutions you're going to be able to come up with to help if you're having a real authentic conversation. So this is, like I was saying, this is people who have disposable income. Okay, This is people who have the money to spend and are trying to make a decision about where they're going to spend that money. And COVID has changed things a lot. The world has changed a lot. Sales and marketing has changed a lot. Consumers are way more savvy than they ever were before. They know what they want. They know what they're looking for. So a lot of your clients are not going to need that money conversation. Some people still will. Now, I want to talk about these people who have that disposable income. They tend to show up more for themselves and for their dogs when they've made a larger investment. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. This is so fucking true for me. I have got, oh my God, hundreds of 30, 40, 50, even $100 courses sitting in my email inbox that I am never going to fucking look at. They've been sitting there for years. The programs that I'm in that I've paid a grand for, three grand for, five grand for, those are the programs I'm showing up for. Those are the ones that I am focusing my time on, not the ones that I spent $50, $100 on. So when your clients make a larger investment in themselves, they make a larger buy-in in themselves and their dogs, they do tend to show up more, to show up better, to be more committed, and to get better results. Because it's about value for them, right? So like I was talking about earlier, there are going to be trainers who are charging really high amounts of money, but the value is not there. The results are not there. What the clients get does not align with that figure. So when we are raising our rates or looking at charging accordingly, we also need to make sure that the value is there for them. I'm not saying, hey, if you've got absolutely no value to people, go and charge a whole bunch of money for it. No, no, no. We want to make sure the value is there. But this is where we got on a rabbit hole. The value for what you offer, the value of your services, not your value as a human being, right? And when we learn how to build and offer a blended program, we offer value like your clients have never fucking seen because they have the levels of support and access to information that's impossible to give in one-to-ones and group classes. And that mean that they can get coaching and support and information even when you're sleeping, even when you're on vacation, even when you're sick, even when you're taking a mental health day, your clients still are held and supported. And that value is way beyond anything that you can even imagine right now. 
So when you are raising your rates and charging accordingly, we want to make sure that the value is there by offering a blended program as well. Now, I want to address something here that really gets me ragey. And this is the tendency of many people in the shelter and rescue industry to try and shame trainers for charging good money. For trying to tell trainers that, well, if you charge more, then people are going to dump their dog at the shelter. I want to make it really, really clear to you, that's not on you. You as a dog trainer are not responsible for how someone else shows up in the world, for the decisions that they make around themselves and their dog. Yes, you want to help. And where we can help, we should be trying to help. But the responsibility is not on your shoulders to make sure that you are charging low enough rates that, quote unquote, everybody can afford you so no dogs end up in the shelters. All of our systems in our world, including shelters and rescue systems, it's a systemic issue. There is so much that needs to change from you know, the supply and demand side, as shitty as that sounds, of where you know dogs and puppies are coming from, as well as what our shelter systems look like. And I'm not throwing shade here. Like the shelter and rescue industries is full of people trying to do the absolute very best that they can do within a very broken system. What I'm trying to get to is the system needs to change and dog trainers charging less is not the fucking answer. And in fact, you can help more, like we were talking about, when you charge enough and your business is financially stable and you have money and and time available that you can then donate both the money or the time, you can then help. But there's things that you can do within your business as well to be able to help the people who can genuinely not afford your services and need that little bit of extra help. And it isn't charge everybody else low rates. It is what I call the Robin Hood effect, which means that you are charging people who can afford it the regular rates, and then you can provide flexibility for people who genuinely need that help. Now, when you're when your business is financially stable and solid, you have options to help people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to help that's important to you. So things like maybe you provide one slot in your blended program every six months for someone who needs the help with it financially. Maybe you run a, a workshop, you know, once a month for people who, who need the help financially. Maybe you can get so creative with offering things that are paid for that mean that you can show up and offer really good service for everybody because your time is paid for and you are rested and you are financially secure and financially stable. When you're running around charging everybody rock bottom prices, you don't have the time to help. You don't have the money to help people by providing really good, incredibly quality service that you want to be providing and you're burning yourself out so you're not gonna be able to help anybody. So what would yours be? Would you have a scholarship? Would you have a free slot for, I don't know, rescues? What would that look like for you? Firstly, let's have the conversation about what should you be charging? Okay, let's start ABC. What should you be charging? Now, everybody's financial needs are completely different, okay? And so what's important to do to take two things into consideration. One, that you're working out your rates based on your needs, and the value of what you offer. So now my clients get worksheets to be able to do this so they can actually calculate the value of what they offer and get a, a tangible figure of what all of the different components that they offer actually end up being and how to price for that. So I obviously can't give you that on a podcast episode. So 
what, what I want you to do is work out what your financial needs are. Now, remember we were talking earlier, this isn't just what are your financial needs to fucking survive. This is what are your financial needs to build the life that you want to build for yourself and your family. And then what are the different components you offer and what's the value of that? Now, here's the thing around that, though. If you're one of these people who your financial needs are met and you've got, you know, other income coming into the home and you don't need that, I want you to work out your rates as if you didn't have those. Because if you want to be helping to change the industry, if you want to be not participating and contributing to devaluing the industry, then even if you don't need the money, you need to be charging higher rates. And if you really don't need the money, cool, charge the higher rates and donate the rest of it. Okay. So work out what you should be charging based on your individual needs and the value of your program and what you're offering. What I don't want you to be doing is basing your rates on what other people are charging. So many dog trainers tie up their worth and value in their rates. And so when you're looking around and go, oh, well, so-and-so is charging $80. So I'm going to charge 75 so that I'm just under and I'm a little bit more attractive to clients. It's actually not. You're actually not making yourself that much more attractive to clients. And you are basing your rates, the chance is very, very likely that you're basing your rates in somebody else's self-esteem issues, which doesn't make any fucking sense to do, so stop doing that. Now let's talk about how to raise your rates. Now, some of my clients like to ease into that and raise them little by little by little over time. I personally am a fan of raise them all at once, raise them all at once and be done with it rather than continuing to present your clients with more and more and more and more money, right? One increase rather than, oh, here's 19 different increases to get to the price that, I, that I'm going to be charging. When you have clients who are working with you currently, who are going to be ongoing clients, you know they want to continue, that can get a little sticky too. What do I do with those people? My suggestion is let your clients know that your rates are increasing. Let them know what they're increasing to, and then let them know that you're only going to increase them raise your rates for a percentage of that increase for them because they are currently working with you and they want to be ongoing. Why it's important for you to let them know what your rates will be rather than just letting them know, oh, I'm raising them, you know, this amount. They need to know what your rates are going to be for everybody else too so that when they are talking to people and sending people your way, they are not telling people the rate that they're getting as a client who has, you know, been raised a lower rate because they're working with you so that potential clients are not getting sticker shock when they get on the phone and saying, oh, but so-and-so is only paying blah, blah, or so-and-so said it was only X amount. So it's important for your current clients to know what your rates are going up to, but you don't necessarily have to raise your rates to, you can if you want, but for people who, you know, want to offer your, your current clients like a loyalty break, just raise them a percentage of that. So 50% of what your rates would be increasing to. It's really important to have a conversation with, with clients about it when your rates are going up. Personally, I think you really need to get on the phone and have that conversation on the phone because sending out an email about it, certainly easier, but you can't talk about value in an email. You also can't, your clients can't hear tone and you can't hear tone from your clients via email. And if there's going to be any money stuff that comes up when you're raising your rates, you want to be able to talk about it with them. You can only really do that on the phone. And so let's talk about how to have those money conversations. So we're calling, we are conditioned to not have many conversations. How do we fucking have many conversations? Well, 
Open the fucking call with transparency and vulnerability. If it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable, say that. You know, starting the conversation with like, hey, so I know that we're all conditioned not to have money talk and that we generally get told that it's super crass not to talk about money and stuff. So this, this is an awkward conversation for me to have. But I need to have a chat with you about money and my rates. Okay? Start off with that vulnerability. Start off with that, hey, I like acknowledge this, this might be awkward. This might be weird. It's okay to acknowledge that you find something awkward and weird. In fact, it usually allows the other person to approach the conversation from a place of empathy and compassion and like, oh my God, me too. So you're automatically in a better place, both of you, rather than just saying, hey, so I'm raising my rates. Right? So open up with that transparency and vulnerability and let your clients be grown as adults. Remember, you are not responsible for their financial situation. You are not responsible for what they can and can't afford. The number of times that I have been so fucking humbled because I have made a prejudgment about what I thought a client could or couldn't afford and have gone into a conversation assuming something about them only to have that assumption knock me over the fucking head and knock me on my ass because I was being incredibly judgmental without knowing it. Just let your clients be grown as adults. They are responsible for their own financial shit. You are not responsible for trying to like pad the conversation and make it palatable for them. They will 1000% decide what is of value to them and what is not and where they're going to spend their money and where they're not. It's not up to you. Detach. And this is a hard one. Like I say this as a sentence, but it doesn't mean that, oh, you're just going to detach from it overnight and suddenly understand that money and your worth are, you know, not the same and your value is not tied up in what you charge. And, and so when I say like work at detaching, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's working with a therapist like it was for me. Maybe it's just putting up a reminder on your wall that you read over, over and over and over again before you hop on the phone with a client because, you know, therapy takes a while. So you can still do this now um, that says, you know, my value as a human being is not tied to what I'm charging or that says, you know, if people uh, don't find value in spending this money on dog training, it doesn't say any anything personally about me. Whatever your message needs to be that you need to hear before you have a money conversation, put something up that you can read that over. Pump yourself up around it before going into the call. Write yourself a script if you need to. If it's super uncomfortable for you and you're just starting out having many conversations with people and you've had conditioning that don't do it and it's feeling weird and awkward, write yourself a script. It's 1000% okay to sit with the script and keep yourself on track instead of having that, you know, our fear and our itty bitty shitty committee getting super loud and knocking us off track. And now we're like not able to say the things that we've forgotten what we wanted to say and shit, what are we talking about? And I really wanted to say this thing. And we hang up the phone and we're like, Damn it, I didn't say the thing I wanted to say. So have a script if you need to. That's totally, that's really, really okay. So I really want to remind you as I close this, this episode off that if you want to be building and creating a sustainable and scalable business that works for the dogs, for the human clients, and for you, you need to be making enough money. And you can't get there on your own with one-to-ones and group classes because you need to have that 80-20 balance. Um, if you haven't listened to any of my other episodes about it, and this is the first one you're listening to, the 80-20 balance means that you need to make sure that of your working hours, so let's say you're working 30 hours in your business a week, of those 30 hours, only 20% of those should be working with clients. The rest of those hours should be spent on marketing and sales and building content and running your business. Most dog trainers have that backwards. Most dog trainers have about 100% of their in-business hours spent working with clients. Uh, or not that much. Like 80% of their in-business hours working with clients. And then they try to do all of the things that are supposed to fit into any 80% of their time into 20% of their time, which doesn't work and ends up encroaching onto their personal time and ends up with this lovely cycle that we know so well of not having any downtime or not having any work-life balance. So 
If you want to be making enough money, you have to have that 80-20 balance in place, which means that you have to have your business and your programs set up in a way that allow you to do that, that allow your clients to still get super fucking amazing support, better support than they're getting right now, um, and that prices accordingly so that your time spent doing the marketing and the sales and the uh, content building and the, you know, creating the modules and stuff for your clients. So that time is paid for. I want to reiterate this. If you, if you cannot stay in business, if you cannot create financial stability and security and stay in business, then you can't help anybody. And you can learn how to do that. None of us, not none of us, most of us are not taught how to do that. Most of us get into the industry to help. Most of us follow our hearts into the industry and then get here and go, well, fuck, now how the fuck do I run a business? So you can learn how to get that solid financial stability and foundation there for yourself so that you can stay in business, so that you can continue to help and, and change the lives of all of these dogs and these people whose lives you change. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a review, hit subscribe, and share. Links to all the ways that you can stay connected and updated about this podcast and my programs are in the show notes. See you next time.